Hi, I'm Renee Flatland with the Eau Claire Shields Store, and you're listening to the Shields Podcast. Welcome to the Shields Outdoors Podcast, your source for information on hunting, fishing, and all of your outdoor passions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Shields Outdoors Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Anderson, and today we have Renee Flatland from the Eau Claire Shields Store. Renee, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you. Great to have you. So can you just provide a little introduction, uh, you know, kind of what your specialty is, what you do at the Shields store? Yep. So I am actually the reloading shop manager. I also help anybody in firearms, archery, hunting clothing, any hunting questions that you do have. I'm there for you. So kind of all around on the hardline side of things. Okay, awesome. And what kind of drew you into the hunting and shooting aspect? Um, growing up, I grew up around hunting and shooting. Um, I would say like every Thanksgiving, you know, it started with gun season with my family. And every hunting season, if you weren't wearing orange at the dinner table for Thanksgiving, you really weren't welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Not actually, but like, you know, you didn't fit in. So I grew up around a lot of hunting. Um and shooting, you know, we would spend days going out, sighting in the rifles, muzzle loaders, just enjoying a family day out in the back 40 shooting guns. So that really drew me into firearms. And then um, I actually, a couple years back, I want to say like six or seven years back, I got involved with the local Dunn County fishing game. And um, I ended up meeting Jeff Michaels, who was the rifle manager at Shields, or is the rifle manager at Shields at that time. And one thing kind of led to another, and I ended up applying for Shields because of him. And, you know, we've worked well together. We knew these banquets that we were putting on for the fishing game worked well together. So we figured we'd work well together in a work environment, too. Um, So that kind of drew me to Shields, and he always spoke highly of it. I absolutely love it. Okay, that's awesome. So can you just walk us through like your day to day at Shields in like the gun and the reloading department? Yeah, uh, like background and like in the back and in the front. Yeah, go for it. Just a a day in the life of Renee. Okay, sounds good. So typically I'll get to work before the store opens, you know, kind of go through my emails, uh, check to see if I need to do any orders. I'll typically run like BSIs, make sure there's not product on distributors or from vendors that I can get that I don't have. Um, Reloading has been a little bit of a challenge lately. I will say I've been kind of uh, juggling, trying to figure out how to find the product, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which I think the entire world is feeling that. Yeah. Um, Anybody out there looking for primers understands exactly what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) So I spend quite a bit of time, you know, searching for product and then I make sure I'm on the floor Um, once the store opens so I'm there to help customers as they come in typically if we get freight in for our shops you know we'll spend some time getting that on the on the floor too but my motto is to be able to be there for the customers when they're in the store and I'll get that product out as it's needed or as time allows okay nice so I'd like to talk a little bit about reloading you know I think you have a pretty similar story at least like 
you know, similar to me on how you got into hunting and stuff, you know, like my dad would go out during rifle season and I'd be too young and sitting at home like, oh, I wonder if he's seeing anything in the blind today. And, you know, so I, I think people understand that quite a bit. But like, how did you get into reloading? I've never really took that next step to get into reloading yet. Okay. So we, um, as a family, we actually started reloading. So my uncle had everything set up. So did my grandpa. And for the longest time, my dad didn't have any of his own stuff, but, um, you know, my cousins and I, we would go in and help my uncle reload and kind of figure out different formulas for different bullets and put that all together and just kind of go out then as a family and see how they fly. And it was always pretty cool to me to be able to see, you know, a different amount of powder makes the bullet travel a different way. So growing up, it really sparked an interest to kind of be able to play with those. And um, I, again, my family really just helped me get into that. I will say um, my uncle was a huge part of that because he had everything set up at his house. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it, reloading is pretty fascinating to me. It's just, you know, when you really get into it, you really understand like, all the components of a bullet and how everything like goes together and works. And it helps you just kind of be kind of more in tune with the whole process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Different velocities and bullet drops and yeah, there's so much that goes into it. It's really cool to be able to tinker around with it. Yeah, absolutely. Just kind of therapeutic too. You know, just, just like when you're doing the reloading stuff, you basically have to be like, all in on it and just it's almost like being in the stand like everything else goes away and you're focused on the task at hand so just mm -hmm. you know people say tree stand therapy but it's you know there's also reloading bench therapy too there <laughs> yeah for me too I have tree stand therapy that's one you know one thing that I absolutely love and I'm not all you know rifles and guns I love to archery hunt I go out and bow hunt all the time um I just like being out in the woods it's so relaxing and calming whether i see something or not it's therapy <laughs> mm -hmm. so absolutely amen to that so if if you had to choose between using a gun or a bow which one are you picking i shouldn't be saying this since i work in the firearms department but i would use a bow <laughs> nice yeah i'm with you on that one too it's just you know something about that like primal instinct and just getting so close to the animals and you know for me it was like extended season too you know I started out my first couple of years rifle hunting and you know I had to wait until you know I, I grew up in Minnesota so it was like you know first week in November I had to wait to hunt but then it's like oh if I pick up a bow instead I can start in September like the weather's nicer like yeah let's do yep. this exactly yep and I go I'll go I'm a freeze baby but I go all the way into January if I still don't have a tag filled so mm -hmm. there you go yeah, it's just, you know, it's not so bad as long as you're layered properly and prepared properly mm -hmm. for it, I found out. Because, like, you know, when I first started out, I didn't have, like, any expensive sets of clothes or anything like that. And I didn't really completely understand the whole layering process. And, you know, it got kind of miserable out there right away. And I think to myself, like, why would anybody want to do this? But then it's like, <laughs> you kind of start developing your clothing inventory and getting the right stuff. And then it's like, oh, this is actually like a huge advantage, you know, especially when deer are forced to feed and things like that. And you can pattern them a lot easier. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Late, late exactly. season can be some of your best hunting. So question for you, how do you not buy every single gun in the gun shop when you're there every day? <laughs> it is extremely hard. So we have this back door that we go out of when we clock out and I have to go out that door. <laughs> I cannot go back into the store because I would buy everything. Mm. It's so hard not to. <laughs> Are there, are there a few like uh, new arrivals that you really have your eye on? Anything you're super excited about? Yeah, so I actually, I would like to get into some competitive shooting next year. Not really sure what direction I want to go with it, but after doing the gun university two weeks ago, I was like, man, I could see myself really enjoying this. Not necessarily for hunting purposes, but just to be able to, um, you know, go and compete at, for target shooting. So we just uh, got in another Seekins Havoc kit, which I fell in love with at the Gun University. It's got an interchangeable bolt face and inter- a quick change barrel system, so you can do different calibers in it. So that one really sparked my interest. I'm, it's on my list of wants. And then there's a handgun, the Stickot OP, that I really want to get to because I could definitely see myself going into some like handgun competition or maybe even like a three-gun so we'll see. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's a couple of things you mentioned there that now I'm interested in. The first one that staccato. So I, yeah. I'm not like a, a handgun enthusiast, but you know, every once in a while, like we want to, we want to promote certain things that are going on. So like I get to go into the gun shop and like check them out and take pictures and, you know, hold them and stuff. And you know, when you, when you bring that staccato up, it's like, okay, this is, this is something different. Like this is special. <laughs> It's like the closest thing to a custom handgun that you can get without paying custom handgun. So it's pretty cool. Mm -hmm, For sure. And then you also touched on this gun university. So I'm guessing, you know, a majority of the listeners don't know exactly what that is. Um, We have these Mm -hmm. university trainings here at Shields where basically the the associates go in and they learn all about the product and stuff. But can you just touch on like exactly what this gun university was and your experience there? Yes, I will say I came half prepared. It was like boot camp, but in a good way. (laughs) So we got up at, you know, we had to be done with breakfast by like 6.30, and on the bus by 7. And we did not leave the place, like our range area. We went to this um, really cool, I don't even know how to explain it. This place that had a couple different ranges. So you had a handgun range, a rifle range, and then different trap shooting, um, you know, courses and sporting clays, that sort of stuff set up. So we would get up, we'd leave by seven o'clock in the morning and we didn't leave there until nine 30 at night. Uh, one night was actually 10 30 cause we did some thermal training too, but we'd get there and we'd all break off into our groups and we'd spend a certain amount of time at each station and just kind of rotate our way through but there was multiple vendors there. You know, it just kind of depended on uh, what station you were at. You know, we had a Kimber. We had the Staccatos there for handguns, uh, Smith & Wesson, and um, Springfield. You know, all, you name it, they were there. And then we'd rotate into the rifle range where we'd go, and we had different rifle vendors there. And then same with shotgun. You'd kind of go out and break into your groups. And the final day we did, uh, you know, after shooting over 250 different guns, then we did a competition. So it was like, maybe we should have started the competition in the beginning when we all were like ready to grog, not super sore, but it was pretty cool to go through then and test the skills and how you 
learn each different gun and how to actually shoot it. But what really, you know, was awesome about the gun university is being able to bring back the things that I learned on each of those guns to bring it back for our customers or the people coming in looking for a firearm for something in particular. It's nice to be able to say, yep, I've shot that firearm and I can tell you it does this, this, and this, you know? So that's, I think really the main purpose behind the gun university is to get that hands-on experience and really accelerate the expert side of things. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. That's, that's kind of just what I was going to mention. Like a customer's coming into a store talking about like, you know, what sort of hunting they do, what sort of goals they want to have in the shooting park, things like that. Just that knowledge of being able to say, yes, I have shot this gun. This is what I like. This is maybe what I don't like. This is, you know, like the sort of stuff that I would recommend you you to try out. It's just super, super valuable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I'm looking forward to being able to bring information from the university to customers. I mean, I've already, I would say within this last week, already have accelerated as far as that information goes for them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's great to hear. And, you know, I, I've never been to this gun university, but I have, you know, been fortunate enough to go to a few different universities. So being in, you know, like the marketing and the social media, like we want to, we want to kind of bring this stuff to light and show the experience and show like what associates do. So I, it's been really fun. Like I, I've been able to go to, fishing universities, archery universities. Um, but I've never been able to, to go to this gun one yet. I've always been super intrigued because we have, you know, we have all these different universities for the sorts of different aspects at Shields, whether it's, you know, it can be like fashion university and, you know, obviously uh, I'm not going to that one. I'm, I'm way too <laughs> redneck for that. But we had, we had social media university going on at the same time because it's usually not like the most direct of correlations between the, the people that do social media and like your gun people. But I, I am one of those correlated people, you know, like I really want to be there. So it's like, well, I'm presenting at this social one. So I can't, I can't ditch that. We're, you know, we were talking about this a little bit earlier before, uh, before this segment, but man, it looked like so much fun. Um, how was your shoulder feeling once you hit that, (laughs) that competition? (laughs) So I will say that last day I put on my shooting vest and I did not have a pad for my uh, shooting vest for shotguns. And I put in three can koozies in my <laughs> in the pad spot on my shooting vest because I was like just feeling defeated as far as like I would shoot a shotgun and it felt like my head was going to blow off my shoulders. I'm like, oh, I didn't think I could get sick of shooting guns. That's some. <laughs> it was- Yeah, that's some quick outside the box thinking, though. It's like, oh, I need some extra padding. Oh, I've been hanging out with all these vendors. They're giving can koozies and whatnot. There we go. There's a little bit of extra padding. Um, How how did you end up doing in that competition? I did pretty good. I did average. Um, I will say, you know, the handgun, we shot a Glock for the competition, and that is uh, not my best shooting gun for me. Uh, It works for other people, but for me, so I... I slacked on that. And then when we went to the range, it was getting pretty dark by the time because the rifle range was our last course. So being able to pick things out on the rifle range was a little bit harder. The 22 I did just fine on, but um, when we shot our long distance, I shot at the 300 yard target, not the 400 yard target. 
I smoked the 600 yard target, but I shot at the wrong target. So I was like, Oh, Renee, you're awesome. Oh yeah. Kind of don't get any points for that one. (laughs) No, I hit the target, but it was the wrong target. So uh, yeah. Bummer. That's okay. It, It was still fun. You know, whether or not we did great or not. We, we had this gentleman actually, um, I'm not going to say his name because I don't know if he wants his name announced, but we did a handgun uh, competition with Staccato, actually. They came and they set up a course where you did uh, five shots in target A in 30 seconds, and then you did another five shots in target B in 10 seconds. And it had to be within like the 10, five, you know, like your rings that you have. He scored a perfect 100. And then walked back up and did it again. And seven of his ten shots were in the in the white part of the center of the, which is like you know this your pinky tip. I this guy he was like amazing. He ended up winning a staccato out of the deal. He scored a perfect hundred both times. Oh wow, so, that's that's pretty yeah. wild. You know, hat, hats off to that guy. Yeah, so it was cool to see, you know, and be able to be there with somebody who's got that much handgun experience, too, and be able to pick his brain a little bit. And um, I would say by the end, I was definitely going, oh, man, I got to go home and shoot my handgun, figure out what I'm doing wrong, make sure I'm more stable here, make sure, you know, so it definitely challenges me to get back out and do that, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one thing about, like, a lot of the Shields associates and Shields culture, like, just a lot of you know, friendly competition and, you know, just kind of driving you to be a little bit better and a little bit better at your craft. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was, you know, when I was at the social media university, I would, you know, I got to follow along a little bit online, like Instagram. You And I have to say, you, you put out a super cool Instagram page. I'm, I'm really impressed. Thank uh, you. It's just, it's, it was a lot of fun to follow along. Uh, can you just talk to me a little bit about, you, you know, social media, how you kind of got so good at the whole like photography and portraying what's going on and things like that. I think you got a couple of counterparts you work with too, right? Yep, I do. So it's pretty cool. Um, my best friend was actually a photographer or is a photographer. Um, she actually works for Mountain Ops now. She's Mountain Ops actual photographer and videographer. So growing up, you know, we spent a lot of time together. She always wanted to take photos. She never wanted to be the one taking the, you know, getting her photo taken. Mm -hmm. And I was always like, sure, I, I'm outgoing. Like, let's do this. And one thing kind of led to another. I actually was working, you know, at a car dealership, but still wanted a way to like push my passion. Um, So I was at a car dealership prior to Shields and I wanted to push that passion to, um, you know, other people and be able to help other women get out into the outdoors. And that's really kind of where my social media started was um, kind of promoting, you know, who I was and that I was happy to help any other women who were looking to get into the outdoors and had any questions for me. And at one point I had told myself I was actually going to start my own outdoor clothing line. That kind of went the other direction on me. I decided not to do it, <laughs> but um a lot of that has to do with the fact that I ended up at Shields and it's not a job anymore for me. It's so much fun being able to go to work and enjoy what I'm doing. So that really has helped with the social media. And two, I'm really just kind of living my dream at this point. You know, I 
post what I'm doing. And sometimes I have some blended content in there, like mom life <laughs> mixed in with my hunting and shooting and archery. So there's a lot. And then I do also enjoy fishing as well. I wouldn't say I'm a fishing expert, but um, I do enjoy going out and fishing as well. So it's kind of nice to be able to push all that content and then um, really help other women feel comfortable in their own skin out in the outdoors and be able to reach out and contact me. But the photography end of things, my friend Macy, who was doing all my photos um, prior to leaving, is now gone. She's in Utah. So that part was a little bit of a struggle. But I also have uh, quite a few close friends who really enjoy photography, too. So I've kind of been, um, you know, my friend Ricka, she's been doing a lot of my photos lately. And Macy comes back and I go visit Macy. But I've kind of picked up on taking some own, uh, some photos on my own too. I have my own camera and that part's kind of fun. Um, trying to, you know, get the focus right when you're not actually behind the camera, you're in front of the camera. So it's just kind of a challenge and um, super fun to be able to play around with it, make some reels and push people to get outside. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's all about, you know, getting people outdoors and, you know, let's just talk about the fishing a little bit. What's your, what's your favorite fish to go after? I have been after brown trout this year like no other. Um, I actually was able to catch a 18-inch brown trout, and that's kind of unlikely, you know, on a tiny little creek in Wisconsin. You know, that's, that's a big trout. Um, my goal is to get at least a 22-inch brown trout. But for me, just being able to walk out, like, I don't work until noon on Thursdays, so every Thursday morning during the summer, I was going down to the creek that's pretty close to my house and able to just enjoy being outdoors when it's not hunting season and cast a line, catch some fish. And yeah, the brookies and brown trouts have been my my main go to. But I also kind of got hooked on bass fishing this last summer, too. <laughs> I'd go home Friday night. I wouldn't get home till about 1030 and then wake up at three, go fishing before work at nine get on some big, you know, smallies too. So, uh, I would say either ground trout or bass have been my huge go-to. Okay. Nice. Uh, I'm a little bit jealous on the trout, you know, cause like I, you know, I grew up in North central Minnesota and then I moved to Fargo, North Dakota and there's just not, there's not much for trout around these parts. And they've, they've yeah. always like intrigued me. I guess I've, I've never really fished for them. Like, especially in the, you know, the streams and things like that. Do you, do you target them with like fly gear or what? It, what's your strategy usually? So I actually have uh, just a normal reel, rod and reel. It's a Shields ultralight one. So I go with the lightest rod possible so I can feel it because I'm not fly fishing. Um, the streams that I'm fishing in are just way too narrow to have a fly rod. I'm, I'd end up throwing it in the weeds every time if I did that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but it kind of depends because some streams that I fish, you actually can't have live bait. If I can use live bait, this is going to sound crazy, but I'll just use a hook and a night crawler and they love it. But if I can't have live bait, I'll kind of go to like, um, like even crappie jigs will work or spinners. Um, sometimes I'll throw some flies with a sinker because they kind of will watch it sink down from the surface and then snatch it. So it, Kind of depends on where I'm at. I'm definitely using quite a few different baits, but my favorite is just a hook and a night crawler. <laughs> nice. That's that sounds like something I can get into. You know, I've I've always been really intrigued with the whole fly fishing thing. 
but you know, where I live, it's just not like your most efficient form of fishing. You know, usually for mm-hmm. me, it's like, well, you either go down to one of the larger rivers and, you know, you can try and catch smallies and basically whatever bites, you never know what's going to come out of a river around here. But, you know, a lot of my fishing is done in lakes and whatnot. And I've also got into the bass fishing too lately. It's, they're just a fun fish. They just mm-hmm. like pound for pound, they fight like crazy. They'll hit all kinds of weird baits. And, and yep. my, my thing is like, w- we stay at a lake place most weekends in the summer and the paddleboard is there and like paddleboard bass fishing. That's my jam. Yeah, that would be awesome. It's a, it's a good workout too. <laughs> Cause it's like, it's good for the core. It could see like paddling around and like when you're battling a, like a decent sized largemouth, like that thing will pull you around all over the place. Yep. Exactly. I, I have more than once come <laughs> extremely close to like dumping in after the fish, but I've, I've held it together <laughs> so far. That's awesome. I, I was going to say, if you use the top water bait too, like watching them actually smoke it and then like having to wait a second and then pull if you're on a paddleboard, I can't imagine like, you're like, okay, here comes the ride. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's one thing I haven't done yet is top water on the paddleboard. And oh. like that, that is kind of a good warning there. Just being the whole, like it's super excited and having to give it a couple cranks and like yank it with all your might. I can just see myself like eating it pretty bad on one of those. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Oh yeah. Um, but you know, like the, the fishing for me though, like I, I love it, but to me it's kind of just an, an outlet to wait for the hunting seasons, you know, cause like fish, fishing's, you know, not, not open year round, like depending on what species you can fish year round, but like the hunting seasons, like I, I mostly got to wait for, and then my fishing is like, this is my waiting for hunting, you know, getting that taste of the outdoors still. Mm-hmm. I know I um, typically I'll hunt if I can, you know, if it's whether it's whitetail, turkey, pheasant, I'm out there hunting. But then if there's not a hunting season going on, it's like, OK, I got to fill a void. <laughs> yep, <laughs> I'm going to go exactly. <laughs> Oh, So what's a, what's your favorite animal you've hunted so far and what's a bucket list one for you? Mm, I have a couple bucket lists. So I've hunted for elk, but I have never um, actually harvested an elk. Um, I would say that my favorite is going to be whitetail just because it's so, it's right out my back door, you know. Um, And it's kind of cool being in Wisconsin, being able to drive out and, you know, scout for deer watch them in velvet, watch their movements, kind of, you know, pattern deer. So they are definitely my favorite. I don't know that I would ever leave the Midwest just because I don't know if I could ever leave home and what what that is to me, and that's whitetail hunting. But a bucket list is definitely going to be elk. I really would like to harvest an elk. I've elk hunted now a couple times, and... I would say I've, I haven't even had a close encounter with a bull. I've had, you know, close encounters with really nice mule deer while I'm out there with an elk tag and, um, you know, cow elk, which is cool, but that's a bucket list for me. And then also an axis deer. I'd like to go to Hawaii and, um, harvest an axis. You know, that's, that's one animal I've never really given a lot of thought to, but I think that would be a lot of fun for sure. Yeah, I've uh, kind of been making contacts and, you know, 
what would you call that? Uh, creating friends that are, are, are out there in Hawaii and making those connections with them. So eventually I will end up out there. It's just not the uh, cheapest flight. So, <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, that, that'd be something cool. Like you can go access hunting and then you can go try surfing later and, you know, get some good seafood. I mean, it, it doesn't sound like a terrible trip. Let's just say that. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, so how about a, how about a hunting story? Do you have a, do you have a favorite hunting story for us? Yeah, I have a couple, I guess I'm going to try to figure out which one would be my, my absolute favorite. Well, I, the one that I really am proud, most proud of, I will say is, um, turkey hunting. The first time I decided to go turkey hunting on my own, um, you know, I was working a nine to five and at the time and it was like okay i don't really have a lot of time to get out there and get in the turkey woods i have one day left on my on my tag um so i got to make it happen tonight you know and i made sure that morning i packed up all of my stuff my blind and i had all my hunting clothes my shotgun in the you know vehicle with me and i'm like i'm gonna go up there and i'm gonna do this like i'm going on my own and it was my first time going on my own and it was so hot that day. I can't even tell you. I was like sweating, which is one nice thing about turkey hunting. You don't really have to worry about scent control. <laughs> yes. If um, you had to worry about scent control with turkeys, those things would be impossible. Exactly. So I, you know, I'm sweating on my way up. I'm carrying all my stuff up and I get myself set up on this field. And like I said, I hadn't called turkey in myself at this point. Um, I hadn't actually been out in the tricky woods hunting alone at this point so i'm like i'm gonna do it i can do it i got out there i set everything up i'm in the blind and i'm sitting there it's probably about a an hour after getting everything set up i'm you know trying to call trying to call something in had a hen come in and um when she came in she was kind of clucking and doing her thing around me so we we're going back and forth and then all of a sudden the town lit up and I'm like, oh, this is it. I'm going to make it happen. And it was like just before, um, you know, the end of the night, like it was like sun was starting to set. I was, you know, cutting it close on my time for being out in the woods. And he finally did commit and he came in. And I, I actually was recording the whole thing. So I got my shotgun up and I, you know, got everything lined up. I shot him and... I went back and watched the video later and I had moved all the way across the blind. My shotgun shot me all the way across the blind. <laughs> Still stayed on the chair, but I was out of the picture of the, you know, of the film. Um, but then, you know, that was such a great feeling and such a memorable hunt for me to be able to say like, Hey, I can go do this on my own. And um, that I think is really what triggered me to start helping other women, you know, get out there and, and get into the, hunting industry so here's me you know after i shot my turkey and i'm like okay now i gotta take everything down i gotta bring this blind with me i gotta carry out this turkey i gotta you know and it's hot so i gotta make sure i take care of the turkey and clean the turkey up and i had seen it done before but this was my first time going by myself and doing it by myself and the biggest bird he was like 27 pounds oh yeah that's so a tanker yeah, so I'm sweating again on my way out. You know, I'm down to my tank top at this point. But I would say that's one of my most favorite hunts just because it was rewarding for me to see, like, 
okay, you don't need somebody else to be able to do this. You, you can do it on your own too. And mm-hmm. um, I want to help other, you know, people feel comfortable going out on their own and being able to do it on their own. Yeah. Yeah. You, you took the words out of my mouth with, with rewarding there. You know, it's just that, that feeling that, you know, I can do it. I don't, you know, like I've, I've learned from other people, but now translating that into like, do it, doing it yourself and being successful and being able to complete all of that is, yeah, like you said, rewarding, super cool. And I love turkey hunting. I mean, I, I never got into it for the longest time. I would just see, you know, people on the outdoor channel, like start calling in a turkey and then it struts in and then they shoot it. You know, it's like, well, that's kind of boring, but you know, like to actually go out there and then like, of course I've, I failed miserably the first few times, but you know, that mm-hmm. first time where you call and then a gobbler strikes back on you, it's like, oh, he's coming. <laughs> like, it's just, it's the coolest feeling in the world. Like I could talk till I was blue in the face about how cool it is, but until you actually like are there and experience it and hear that first turkey get all mm-hmm. angry and gobble back at you, you just like, that's enough to hook just about anybody right there. Yeah. And it does require some scouting too, you know? So I was up there couple nights that you know that week prior to see where they were roosting and kind of I don't know if you've ever used an owl hooter or not to get them to shock gobble back at you to kind of locate them and figure out where they're roosting too so that helps but it requires more than just you know going out in the woods and hoping for the best and I think some people don't see that side of it kind of like the obsession and passion portion (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's just like the, you know, like the whitetail hunting thing too. It just makes it so exciting is the whole kind of, you know, chess game with it. It's like, okay, putting out trail cameras, finding them, like using optics to figure out from, you know, where they're betting, what they're doing, things like that. And being able to, you know, make a move from there. It's just, it's so much more than, oh, I'm going to grab my gun or my bow and walk into the woods and see what happens. Like, you know, people get lucky every once in a while with that, but you know, like to, to, you know, bump up your, your odds of success. It, it definitely takes a little bit more effort than that. Mm-hmm. And it goes even further than that. It's the practice that you put in before you go out, you know, and shooting a bow, right? Like you got to make sure that you're getting your reps in because time comes and big boy comes in and you pull back on him. And <laughs> if you haven't been shooting your bow, you're not going to hit him. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's definitely one good, uh, good thing to point out to, you know, beginners or people that, you know, maybe don't have a ton of hours in the day to, to devote to practice and stuff like that, man, it's super important. I think back to like the first deer I ever shot at with my bow, like, you know, I shot every once in a while I was hitting, you know, hitting pretty good at 20 yards every time. And this was young, this was like 15 years ago at least. But um, that first deer came out, and I'd never shot at one with a bow, though, and I was so nervous. I, I sailed that arrow, like, three feet above his head, you know, and, like, I was aiming for the chest, and I go three feet above his head. It was like, oh, man, that was, like, literally embarrassing right there. But at the same time, yeah. it was, like, the coolest thing ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's humbling, that's for sure. You realize that it's it's hard work. You got to put in the work to be able to do it. So. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what do you have uh planned for upcoming hunts this season? I actually am planning on whitetail hunting. I'm going to do possibly a South Dakota um, pheasant hunt with some friends and family, 
But other than that, I'm just going to focus on whitetail. We had talked about going out elk hunting in Colorado, and I'm like, vacation time-wise, I think I'm just going to stay here and focus on whitetail. Last year, I was gone during the rut for elk hunting, and I kind of regretted it because I seen a couple of my target bucks on camera while I was gone. So this year, that's my main focus. I'm hoping to take a target buck. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's one of the most painful things is, you know, like I've, I've done a couple of those hunts too, whether it's like during the rut or like, you know, right around that Halloween time or whatever, I'll be out hunting in a different state. And then all of a sudden, like my brother got a shot at our target buck or like one showed up on our cell camera. It's like, it just never fails. If I go somewhere to hunt, there's going to be a good buck that would have given me an opportunity at home. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I feel that. Oh, cool. So, well, Renee, thank you so much for, uh, you know, your time with us explaining, you know, who you are, what you're all about and, um, you know, and, and keep up being an inspiration for everybody out there. So how do, how do people follow along with your, with your season and your story? Um, they can definitely find me on Instagram. I'm trying to do the whole TikTok thing. I'm not quite into that yet, but my Instagram is Ren Flatland. So if they want to reach out to me, they definitely can shoot me a message. I'd be more than happy to answer any questions. Otherwise, if you're in the Eau Claire area, feel free to stop in and ask me questions. All right. Perfect. Again, thank you for your time and, uh, you know, best luck with, uh, with your whitetail season. Awesome. Thank you. You just heard our conversation with Eau Claire hunting and shooting expert Renee Flatland. Keep an eye out on our Shields Outdoors social media pages where we'll be releasing a video of Renee covering a couple of our kids and women's clothing lines and hopefully a success story from her upcoming whitetail season. And with that, we'd like to thank you all for listening and see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Shields Outdoors podcast. Stay tuned for future segments and visit our social media pages, Shields Outdoors on Facebook and Instagram for daily updates.